Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Elon Inc., where we discuss Elon Musk's vast corporate empire, his latest gambits and antics, and how to make sense of it all. I'm your host, David Papadopoulos. Well, Elon Musk is now the richest person on the planet. More than half the satellites in space are owned and controlled by one man. Starting his own artificial intelligence company. Well, he's a legitimate super genius. I mean, legitimate. He says he's always voted for Democrats, but this year it will be different. He'll vote Republican. There is a reason the U.S. government is so reliant on him. Elon Musk is a scam artist and he's done nothing. Anything he does yeah. is fascinating to yeah. people. We're back with the second episode this week because the news demanded it. Elon Musk, who often posts controversial material on X, has taken things a step further by openly praising racist and anti-Semitic posts. It's a move that has gotten blowback from many corners of the internet and business world. To catch up quickly, over the past few days, Musk has promoted white nationalist content. On Wednesday night, he endorsed an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory known as the Great Replacement. It's the same theory that motivated the 2018 deadly shooting at the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue, in which 11 people died. He's also recently posted approvingly about claims that South Africa is a, quote, anti-white apartheid state. He amplified calls to, quote, send them all back, referring to immigrants, and he called attention to posts suggesting that white people are under attack by immigrants and black people. Day to day, over 163 million people follow Elon Musk on X. He regularly shares the stage with world leaders. Just this week, Musk was in San Francisco for the APEC summit, attending a dinner that included Apple CEO Tim Cook and China's leader Xi Jinping. His global power and his influence are hard to overstate, which makes the comments all the more disturbing. To discuss all this and the fallout, we've convened Max Chafkin, reporter and editor at Bloomberg Businessweek. Hey there. And Sarah Fryer, who oversees our big tech coverage here at Bloomberg. Hello. Okay. And for transparency here, this was recorded on Thursday at 4.30 p.m. New York time. So, Max, we'll start with you. What's going on? So, Elon Musk, as we've talked about and as many others have documented, has been going in some pretty edgy places in terms of what he's uh, been sort of consuming and amplifying and tweeting about on X, formerly known as Twitter. And last night, I think we reached a new level, a new low. A, A user on the platform posted basically a TV commercial encouraging people to be less anti-Semitic. So it's a relatively like innocuous post, which prompted a a response by another person, a second user, 
essentially repeating a version of the Great Replacement Theory. The Great Replacement Theory says that Jews are working secretly to undermine America, the American national identity, to, to, to destroy white people by importing immigrants. This was the ideology that motivated, as you said, the shooter at the Tree of Life synagogue in 2018 who, who killed 11 people. And Elon Musk responded to this by saying, this is the actual truth. And this kind of led to a, a storm. Musk responded sort of defensively, initially sort of saying, well, maybe I was only talking about the ADL, but then he kind of doubled down a little bit later in the interaction. Sarah, to folks who are familiar with online extremism, what what is he... What would we say exactly is he promoting here? Well, the Great Replacement Theory, as as Max mentioned, it's it's something in, that's really taken hold in the dark corners of the internet in response to mass migration, sort of connecting it all usually to a shadowy cabal. Like usually, people don't say the Jews, and and what is what is interesting about how far Musk went here is he just seems to take it all the way to the full extreme of this conspiracy theory. And that is an escalation in behavior. By the way, we have been tracking for months um, how Musk has been interacting with these extremist accounts. Yeah. And, and Sarah, to be clear, this Sarah, this goes back years and years, correct? Well, let me explain first what happens when he interacts with accounts, even just by responding and saying, hmm, or interesting. When he does that, the algorithm picks up on that person and amplifies that person. So even if he's not explicitly responding to what they say, he is he is helping them reach an audience through his followers on X. Now, I think it's also important to figure out where this is coming from. Why is Musk turning into somebody who embraces conspiracy. I think it started years ago at the onset of the pandemic with the the required shutdown of his Tesla factory in Alameda County and that was that was the beginning of of him sort of saying this is unreasonable, covid's unreasonable. This is this is like a fake problem and we're going to work through it. Right, because it it clashed with his libertarian view of, exactly. of the world. Studies have shown once you have an embrace of one conspiracy theory, it becomes easier to find alliances in, in others. And I think we have seen him engage more with folks, not just anti-Semitic posters, but those who talk about anti-white racism. That's been another theme in his interactions. Um, he's even said that very explicitly, that he feels that it is wrong for mm. white people to have to feel bad about their race. Yeah, this is part of the defense I was bringing up earlier. This is how he's sort of attempted to cover, clean up his his uh, mess. And just talk about how this has gotten worse. Yeah. So, so Max, again, given that libertarian streak that has long marked who he is, uh, and given from the moment he took over Twitter, turned it into X, or even well before that, he indeed was someone, again, aligned with that principle and that thought process, you know, who was a full embracer of free speech. This is an uber case of free speech gone, Elon's free speech gone amok. Well, okay. I, so I was chatting with our producer, Rayhan, and we were, we, were, we were sort of talking about what happened. We're trying to like puzzle it out. 
And one of the Business Week art directors was sitting right next to us, and he's like, this sounds like the Thanksgiving dinner from hell. And basically, like, this story that we're talking about is very similar to one that has happened in many you know, families around the world where somebody goes like deep down an online rabbit hole and starts saying super racist stuff. And 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 that's what's happening with Elon Musk. And I think the only reason it matters, of course, is because Elon Musk is the richest person on earth. He owns a massive social media platform, massive media company, owns a massive car company and owns a major defense contractor. And I haven't talked about all the weird brain stuff. And and has a huge Max and has uh, and has a huge megaphone and has a huge megaphone. And and the thing we have to understand, you know, Max is talking about all the real world impact of Elon Musk's power. There is also this really crazy behind the scenes impact that we, you know, see a little bit more subtle. What you may see is is Musk's speaking with Benioff at APEC getting canceled, which we, by the way, we don't know if that's directly related to this, but the timing aligns. And what you don't see is. All of the the people on extremist networks like 4chan saying, hey, he's our guy. Hail Elon. Like We are actually seeing that happen. Even on X, the platform that Musk owns, we are seeing people reply to him and say, hail Elon. So even when he winks in the general direction of extremists, of white supremacists, of people with you know, who are tweeting with racist undertones, it emboldens those groups and makes them more comfortable bringing this kind of speech out into the open and even onto the platform that he owns. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Just to step back a little bit further here, these comments, of course, come in the wake of of the Israel-Gaza conflict. They come in the context of a historic rise in anti-Semitism, much of which, as we've discussed, is expressed in platforms, including X. So this is this incident is of a piece with that moment we are having. Yeah, I I just want to note, I you know we've been talking about anti-Semitism. In this conversation, I want to separate that from the 
you know, the opinions on Israel or opinions on on Hamas during the current conflict in Gaza. I don't want to conflate the two. I think it's it, we're talking about different issues. And it's it's kind of interesting because we, we saw, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of famous investors, including Bill Ackman, and, and we saw some of Elon Musk's best friends, you know, really get bent out of shape about some things that like some Harvard undergraduates had said in response to basically criticizing Israel. And and meanwhile, we haven't seen a whole lot of response from Elon's inner circle or any of these sort of powerful hedge fund guys yet. I will say, though, there has been some response to this. Uh, Sarah alluded to it, but, you know, Elon Musk was supposed to appear on stage with Mark Benioff, a CEO of Salesforce, big time, you know, kind of Democratic donor. He's the owner of Time magazine. He's a he's a major figure. And to be clear on that, Max, we don't factually know (laughs) that the two that there's a causality there. We don't know. We absolutely don't. Well, one thing we do know, uh, there is a causality with with another aspect of this, which is that IBM has pulled its advertising from X, not just related to this this tweet, but also because an organization called Media Matters found IBM ads alongside anti-Semitic posts. There, there was also a couple of other things. You know, the, the stock, Tesla stock, went was fell almost 4% today, you know, a day that the market was relatively flat. We also saw some Tesla investors, not, not necessarily like the big hedge fund guys, but Ross Gerber, who, you know, has showed up on Bloomberg TV. He's like a mega bull. A colleague of ours, Tom Randall, jokes that his investment thesis is basically buy Tesla. And he tweeted that he's trading his you know, his his Tesla in for a Rivian, uh, which, you know, competing electric electric vehicles. So we're seeing some response. And and we and I should also say there's been some response from conservative media. You know, one of the big kind of counterpoints to criticism about Elon Musk has been, look, he's trying to reach a new kind of car buyer. But if you look at conservative media, look at the Drudge Report. It's like wall to wall. Elon Musk makes anti-Semitic comment. Fox News's homepage had this story. This is going to have real impact for for the CEO of of, of the biggest uh, car company in the world. I mean, Tesla is is now starting to advertise because, you know, they're doing their best to to deal with demand that is has not been great. Now, we've we've known in the past that his inner circle, including his brother Kimball, including some members of the Tesla board, have been on his case in the past to watch his tweeting or his Xing, uh, feeling like they are indeed those comments, comments along these lines, and some certainly even more docile than this, uh, are killing demand for for Tesla. So Max, when you say the stock is down the better part of 4% today, that is essentially a reflection of this concern that he is only further undermining uh, demand for his for his top product. Look, if you just looked at Elon Musk's replies, you know, on his X profile, you know, you, what you see is, you know, a lot of responses to super inflammatory things about white people. You know, you have you have people talking about you know invasions of immigrants. You have you have these these like very gruesome videos of of white people getting attacked, and 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 the implication being that white people are under attack from minorities. And and like if you just looked at this at the abstract, and you just you blocked out the space tweets or whatever, because every now and then he'll say something totally normal and reasonable, and which is very weird. You would think you were looking at somebody who was a white supremacist. And and again, I don't know that that's what's going on here. He's, he's clearly gone down a rabbit hole. He reacts to a lot of people at a lot of times. 
But but if he was my child or or if he was somebody I knew, I would be concerned. Who who by the way has said you know over and over today and in the past, I am not anti-Semitic. Twitter has put out commentary to this effect. Um, famously, Linda Yaccarino put out a blog post on a Friday evening um, when a lot of the target audience was observing the Sabbath about how not anti-Semitic X is. But the the backdrop here is is a company that is losing a lot of advertising revenue, sixty percent of advertising revenue, and Musk has blamed a lot of that on the ADL. So um, when Max talked earlier about how he followed up on his on his post saying that he's mostly talking about the ADL, th- that's what he's referring. He thinks that they are the ones that are breaking. Twitter's business by telling advertisers to stay away. And the ADL had had a, a strange sort of truce with Musk, but appears to have have faded that truce. They appear to be at odds again. It's been their reaction to this rise in anti-Semitism on the platform, right? Well, Musk has a very permissive attitude in in terms of Twitter's community standards, what kinds of tweets he allowed. He did at one point ban one person for anti-Semitism, that was Kanye West, if it, or now Ye. He threatened to go death con three on Jewish people, and Musk said that that was an incitement to violence and banned Kanye. Okay, so let me ask you to this then. If that is the position he took then, and then he's he's tweeting and retweeting these things now, how much daylight is there actually between Ye's post and and what he did, what Musk himself did yesterday? Is there any daylight at all? I've thought a lot about this, David, today in my free time. And if, if I think if Ye's post, DEFCON 3 on the Jews, between Ye as a 10 and like normal discourse as a zero, it's like a eight or an 8.5, right? It's not quite, it's not quite clear that he fully understood all the implications of what he's saying. He, he, you know, it, there are worse things you could say, but it's a pretty bad thing to say. And it's especially a bad thing to say in light of what Sarah's talking about, which is that for months, this this company has been trying to clean up Elon's earlier kind of vaguely anti-Semitic jokes. He's made comments about George Soros. He's interacted with some, you know, very edgy figures, including some racists. And they've basically gone around sort of apologizing. Elon Musk has done a bunch of interviews where he's talked about his Jewish friends, his uh, the Jewish uh, he, uh, daycare he went to. Even in his sit down with Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's basically been saying he's Jewish, you know, in the in the uh, George Santos sense. Uh uh, he's got so many Jewish friends, he, he wouldn't even know how to be anti-Semitic. And so he's done all this work, all these, you know, poor Linda Yaccarino, the entire, um, I, I don't think he really has a media team, but like the podcasters he gets advice from or whoever it is, uh, they've all been trying to help him out and get him to a place where X can behave more like a normal company. And, um, you know, and here we are again. And and again, I, I like, this is just, it it, it, it doesn't feel like, there's a strategy or anything um, particularly profound going on, except that this is somebody who spends a lot of time talking to some people who are, um, you know, 
not super well informed and and like his entire information consumption is this kind of weird right-wing media bubble success is more than the final destination it's a path you take one step at a time it's discipline it's teamwork and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition it's what stiefel's been doing for over 130 years Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Okay, so you mentioned just now Linda Yaccarino, the CEO of X. Has she uh, posted today on the topic, Sarah? And has Musk uh, come back and said much himself today on the topic? Musk has been replying to people who who say he's not anti-Semitic. Then he also replied to that person who talked about anti-white racism and and said, "Yes, this is this is awful." Okay, just an hour ago, Linda Yaccarino, she appears to have said, "X's point of view has always been very clear that discrimination by everyone should stop across the board." I think this is something we can and should all agree on. And X has also been extremely clear about our efforts to combat anti-Semitism and discrimination. There's no place for it anywhere in the world. It is ugly and wrong. Full stop. That is her comment. Do we understand her call for stop to apply to Elon himself? Well, I, I think she's saying discrimination by everyone against everyone, which would, would maybe also you know be an umbrella category that includes Musk's opinions on discrimination against white people, you know? So it's hard to say if she is calling out her boss or not. I think the intent here is to at least show that she is not on board with what she is not personally on board. The employees of X are are not personally on board with what Elon said without, as Sarah said, actually criticizing Elon because doing so could get her fired. So I think she's walking like a very, you know, fine line that we're, we'd all we are, are all familiar with having like, you know, followed, for instance, like the four years of the Trump presidency, right, where you have a leader kind of going out there and then some mm-hmm. subordinates making an effort to pull it back without explicitly criticizing the boss. And you, we've seen this in other times in, in Elon's world where he's he said something kind of edgy and and some and SpaceX's chief operating officer or someone else has to go in and, and attempt to, uh, you know, kind of clean up the damage. Yeah. And that's where I wanted to go as we as we look to wrap up here, which is this. And you, you, you mentioned Trump. And of course, Trump over over the previous decade has said and, and done any number of things that in a previous time would have done in a public leader and seemed to barely dent his popularity, certainly among his base. Um, we, 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 we've called this, uh, we, we've gathered you guys here for this podcast, you know, uh, spur the moment because feeling like it was something of a moment here that needed to be marked and needed to be looked at. But, you know, just how existential is this sort of thing ultimately prove? I mean, two, three weeks from now, does, has the world moved on and forgotten about it? 
or is this something that uh, this specific incident in particular and this broad issue, Max, uh, just not something that's going to go away for him or his companies anytime soon? I mean, it's always hard to like declare a turning point when you're in the middle of it, but it does to me it feels like Musk has crossed some sort of threshold. Now, I don't think that means that that his his popularity is going to instantly evaporate or something like that. He obviously has a huge fan base, including a fan base, some of whom are very excited by this, right? So so I don't think it's necessarily it, it doesn't it doesn't mean that like you know he's going to go from from hero to zero instantly. I do think his position, at some of these companies has become more difficult. And and I guess in particular around X and, and Tesla, where where consumer sentiment is is really important. You know, you know, Max, he is someone who has often cursed his own brain in the way the way it works, right? I think he he called it recently in an interview a storm. There there, there seems to be something of a storm yeah. raging in it right now. Maybe. And I certainly think that that has been offered, certainly in the in the Isaacson book, like that is the explanation that like when he says something awful, that it's it, it's a reflection of, of uh, you know, challenges that he struggles with. Or, or, or so you're positing you're positing this is just actually just right a, a proper window into his thoughts. As I said earlier, he's saying something that a thing that a lot of people say that is, you know, that is deplorable and that a lot of people who do struggle with mental illness do not say. And that, and so I just don't know, I, I'm not sure that those two things are connected or that they should be connected or whatever. Sarah? We're talking about different issues. We're talking about, you know, this great replacement theory that as filtered through a, an entrepreneur who spends a lot of time in Texas thinking about the border with Mexico. I think with Musk, we have to think of this as as a big deal because this man has power beyond his even his own understanding of of his power. Um, he's very stream of consciousness, but what he says matters to people. Um, they make decisions based off of it, not just about what car to buy, but about you know who to vote for. And and he manages this this megaphone of a platform. So I do think that he has incredible influence over what gets talked about. Um, we have Musk headlines every day. Um, and I, I think I think we just need to, to keep on this. Uh, we have to keep keep looking at it. Whether it's a turning point, I mean I think I think it's the most outward expression of what we what we maybe suspected or feared. Okay, we'll end on that thought. Thanks for listening to Elon Inc. And thanks to our panel, Max and Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. This episode was produced by Stacey Wong. Naomi Shaven and Rehan Harmansi are our senior editors. The idea for this very show also came from Rehan. Blake Maples handles engineering and we get special editing assistance from Jeff Grocott. Thanks a bunch to Business Week editor Joel Weber as well. Our supervising producer is Magnus Henriksen. The Elon Inc. theme is written and performed by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura. Sage Bauman is the head of Bloomberg Podcast and our executive producer. If you have a minute, rate and review our show. It'll help other listeners find us. I am David Papadopoulos. See you next week.
What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.